Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Welcome back to the Ransom Heart Podcast. We're in the midst of a series on interpretation. We were in the midst of a conversation about how do you interpret the confusion, the disappointment that often goes with job, work, our place in the world, or no work, or being trapped at home, or with dreams, desires, wanting to live in a larger story, wanting to live with purpose. And we've been discussing some categories to think in, and I I just want to kind of pick right up with our conversation on some of the categories that we use to interpret this whole realm of dreams, desires, jobs, calling. Yeah. John, I think there's times where what the issue is, and discerning which of these categories is how to interpret or understand or to direct you comes down to asking God. But I think a lot of folks feel stuck And really what they need to hear is get on the ball. I mean, chase your desires. Take some initiative. Be creative instead of kind of waiting to be invited in or kind of walked with into the desires of your heart. Chase it down. I mean, you weren't invited to be a part of Ransom Heart. You created Ransom Heart. Right. You moved through desire, and this is what came of it. I think of – just how God at times just says, go for it, do it, chase it down. What do you want to do? Go do it. Okay. This is so important. What Craig is saying is really crucial, but what he prefaced it with, ask God, Mm -hmm. because you're right, Craig, the story of ransomed heart and the story of what God has done through my life has moments of enormous risk taking. Enormous. I literally walked away from a full-time job mm-hmm. in order to do this, and I did not know where the next paycheck was coming from. You know, we have taken significant risks in order to follow God into this. And you start thinking of all the biblical characters, whether it's Joseph or Daniel or David, and yeah, God asks you to do some pretty crazy things. You know, Peter, walk with God. Walk with God, because that doesn't mean, you know, I think kind of the immature, passionate listener just said, oh, far out. That's how my dreams are going to come true. Yeah. I'm just going to start taking risks. No, no, no. Hang on. You may need to take risks, friends. I'll guarantee you will to move into a deeper life with God. Walk with God, right? It's not just risk taking For its own sake, it's not just, I'm going to quit my job because that proves I'm trusting God. He may not have told you to quit your job yet, you know, and then you find yourself in a really tight situation financially and you're like, hey, what happened? Jesus is like, hey, you jumped. I didn't say jump, (laughs) right? So yes, go for it. Yes, time to move, time to get off your rear end and get Uh going. Walk with God. Totally. Right? I think another category that's really helpful for people to understand is that as you move through your adult life, desires change. They mature. You go through a certain season, and then you go, you know what? That was good. I don't want to do that anymore. And that's fine. That's not, oh, dang, 
I mischose my career. Oh, dang. I, you know, desires change. And I think if you had told me at 22, you will not be in theater when you are 52, I think I would have been devastated. I think I would have been crestfallen because I had taken all of that mythic desire inside me yes. and attached it to the specific outcome of it has to be this, you know? And now I look back and I go, I don't desire that anymore. Like, it's not like I'm pining away for a life I don't have. My desires have changed. And that's a wonderful thing. There's freedom in that. That's good. <laughs> what are you smiling about? <laughs> well, uh, one thing I'm thinking about, I, we probably should have included, I was just thinking of Alan as an illustration of uh, gets yanked out of the publishing world. And now is having a ministry with writers that he never had as a publisher, you know. So does walking in the calling God has for you or the vocation God has for you, does that always mean that whatever you're doing, you're just going to be effervescent with joy, fulfillment, excitement, vision, hope, and be effective and successful? I mean, is walking with God in his timing, in his place, in his way, does that going to bring us our deepest aspirations for vocation, profession, career, job? The answer is messy because in some ways, in some occasions, in some seasons, yes, mm -hmm. you bet. You will feel Gerard Manley Hopkins, who was the Jesuit priest, but who actually was a great poet, said, what I do is me. For this, I came. I mean, Hopkins could literally say, I'm in it. Like, this is my greatest joy to be a poet. What I do is me. For this, mm -hmm. I came. I think there are times like that. But then I'm recalling a conversation that I had as a young man with Jack Hayford years ago, and I was asking him vocational questions and calling, you know, type questions. And he looked at me with a kind of sobriety, and he said, God has asked me over the course of my life to do things I did not want to do, but that needed to be done on behalf of the kingdom, and I did them. They were not necessarily a source of joy. In some cases, they were acts of pure sacrifice. Hmm. So I think we need to be careful with the, I'm walking with God, therefore the fruit will be just joy and fulfillment and, you know, there's an enormous sacrifice mm -hmm. that goes with the kingdom of God. And I think that this can be true for years, by the way, friends. I don't think God puts anyone into a prison cell, metaphorically speaking, you know, and just says, be content with this for the rest of your life. That's not our God. It's not the way he works. You don't see that in the Bible. But are there seasons or are there certain tasks, right, that mm -hmm. I want to come back to, Craig, I'm just thinking of, you know, when you finally hit, quote, success status as a pastor, you made it. You got into mega church land and you were a leading member mm -hmm. of the, you know, pastoral team of a mega church. And was that all happiness, joy, fulfillment, life? <laughs> no. I was thinking this early in our conversation, how... There's chaos, disappointment, not being where God has you. And then when you are where God has you, it's messy and there's chaos. 
And it's frustrating, too, because, you know, there's just forces and obstacles and realities you have to fight and deal with. I mean, there's a lot to shovel in any career, profession, or direction you want to go to get to where you want to go. And you made a decision that I'm not sure you even remember or recognize, but it's going to be important for our listeners. You found yourself at the top of the ladder and realized it wasn't the ladder you wanted to have climbed. Right. But nonetheless, you're like, look, I'm here. I'm in a mega church. I now regret some of the fuel and passion that got me here. I realize mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily holiness. Mm-hmm. You know, it was other things. But now that I'm here, I'm going for it. And you made a shift that made your life very uncomfortable in that church where you said, I'm going to start living the way I want to live. I'm going to start doing the things I want to do anyway. Right. Right. Describe that. Well, it was simply I'm living from my heart, being free, bringing who I am and what I have and not letting the job description define and direct me, but just living within that job description generally, offering who I am and what I have. And it it opened up profound doors for influence, impact. It put me in some very difficult conflicts and and situations too. Yeah. And you eventually had to leave because of that. Yeah. yeah. But what was beautiful was you didn't wait for your circumstances to change to start living out what you believed was true of you. Yeah. In fact, I I very much wanted to change circumstances and I just felt like God said, no, you are needed here. And over two years, I was in a situation that I hated and was incredibly difficult, but had a very clear confidence that that's where God had me. Yeah, that's just so important for people to hear. You know, how many great books have been written late at night when people got home from their regular jobs, yeah. right? How many, you know, great musicians were honed in the basement weekends in their off hours? How many people started that? flower shop? How many people chased that dream in their off hours? Their immediate circumstances didn't change, but they simply decided to start living out what they believed God had made yes. and designed them to be. Yes. And then doors began to open, yes. right? And then it found greater and greater expression in their lives. So you don't wait for circumstances to change. I think that's a really crucial thing. Yeah. Here's another big one. And if this is not part of your interpretive grid, (laughs) you are not going to understand your life. Your calling is deeply and profoundly opposed. The number of people that have come to me in distress, feeling abandoned by God, overlooked, doesn't care about my dreams and desires, feeling thwarted, I tried, it didn't work out, feeling betrayed, and not one of them took the opposition to their calling seriously. And I just want to go, like, are you mad? Hmm. Are you mad? You want to chase your dreams and desires, and then even more so, you want to advance the kingdom of God? You want to go after other people? You want to, you know, bring English to 
teach literacy. You, mm-hmm. you, you want to rescue the hearts of students in the inner city. You want to bring the gospel to Muslims. All hell is set against you. Yes. So wait, 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 wait. Before you interpret how difficult it is, that it's not going well, that it's not meeting with the reception that you hope, that, quote, God isn't with you or helping, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. How much of your interpretation of your world right now is that all of hell is set against you realizing your calling? How many years was that a part of your fabric as you were interpreting disappointment, setback? Most of my life, spiritual warfare was in a category. Seriously, it was an acknowledged doctrinal belief, but in practical life, yeah, John, yeah. And what did that do for your interpretation during those years? Well, to God is the problem or people are the problem or I'm the problem when the real issue is satanic, dark, foul forces that are out to thwart, discourage, diminish, and steal everything they can from me. I just cannot emphasize, friends, how important this is that, you know, counseling a young disillusioned pastor last year and his story is disappointing. I am not minimizing that for a moment. There's heartbreak and setback and years of just what feels like lost ministry opportunities, warfare wasn't even a category yeah. for him. Wasn't even interpreting, wait, wait, wait. If your calling is significant, it is going to be significantly opposed. So take it as a compliment, friends. If you've been experiencing significant opposition, you must be trouble. You must be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I want you to listen to something that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that I think is going to be very helpful for interpretation and probably pretty new for most of our listeners. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, he says, We wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Hmm. Okay, pause. Satan stopped us. Not, but that wasn't the Father's will, or but God had other plans, and in his omniscience, he knew uh-huh. that it was you know right that we not be able to make it to you. Paul's not candy-coating this stuff, right? His worldview allows for, no, the enemy blocked that one. We wanted to come to you again and Mm. again. This is Paul. This is the leading missionary of the advance of the church. This is the man in whom all of heaven has invested its resources for his success. And he's saying, yeah, no, that one didn't work out. Mm. We were blocked. Satan stopped us on that one. This isn't discouragement, gang. This is absolutely helpful for you to recognize it's not you, it's not God. It's not your spouse. It's not your church. It's not those people. It's you know, it's you live in a world at war, and if you want to move towards calling, and your place in the kingdom, of course it's going to be opposed. Treat it like that. Mm-hmm. Treat it like that. And therefore, for example, consecrate your calling, your gifts, your dreams to God every day. Get that stuff 
under his protection, his rule, his guidance, his leaning. Don't just chase desire. Are you mad? (laughs) Don't just chase a dream. Ask Christ where, when, how, with who. Show me the timing. Show me the steps to take, right? And then you battle for it spiritually. You fight for that trip. You fight for that job interview. You fight for that change in career. You know, you pray through it, battle through it. The naivete with which Christians pursue this is absolutely staggering. It's like they want to be Navy SEALs. So they buy the uniform and take the name Navy SEAL and somebody drops them into Afghanistan. Uh That's it. That's all they've got. They've got the name and the uniform. It's that naive. So consecrate yourself. What else, John? Consecrate your gifting, your dreams, your desires daily to Jesus. Ask his instructions. Ask his timing. And then as you begin to move in what you believe to be his timing, his direction, you pray for it, right? If you're hitting opposition, disappointment, disheartening, I want to give up, right? I bring the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ against this opposition. Mm -hmm. I break the powers of the enemy working against me through the risen Christ and through the power of his authority, that kind of prayer, right? I bring the full work of my Lord Jesus Christ against this discouragement, against this thwarting, binding. I break this by the power of Jesus Christ and in his name. You'll have to pray like that a lot Mm -hmm. if you want to realize your hopes, dreams, calling. Right? Yeah. John, about the phrase, seize the day, where does that fit into this? That just feels like it's a part of it. There's some orientation that says, having consecrated, you know, having given this to God and being aware of timing, what he has to say is just, I'm going to seize this day for the kingdom, under the kingdom, no matter what it is, doing the toilets, digging a hole, Whatever it is that there's some choice and initiative that says, I'm bringing the kingdom into this and I am taking, I am subduing, I'm going to have dominion over this day, these circumstances, my life. Right on, brother. (laughs) Something's stirring in you. Where's that coming from? What are you addressing there? Well, one of the questions I'm asking myself as I'm listening How many people just have absolutely no options? I mean, their day-to-day is just survival. Mm -hmm. You're not talking job choices, you know, the prostitutes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those in the sex trade, Mm -hmm. those who Mm -hmm. – and I'm just thinking, regardless of our state or circumstances, you know, and there's opposition and we're trapped because of the economy or the tyrant that we live under – there's always something we can seize and possess and subdue and have dominion over. And it may not be circumstances. It may not be my vocation, but there's something that I can seize and possess and be absolutely kind of in control of. I think in relationships, in spite of how people are treating you, you can still love, right? I think Mm -hmm. in dead-end jobs, despite this fact that your circumstances are not changing, you can clean that table as though you're doing it for God and Mm -hmm. for his kingdom, 
right? And Mm -hmm. I think you can, Craig. I think what you're saying is despite no changes in circumstances, you can still choose to live for God. You can still choose to seize the day, so to speak. And I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to do it great. And I'm going to do it with all my heart, right? I mean, that's Paul when he's writing to slaves, right? And he's saying, you're not serving an earthly master. Do it as if you're serving God. You know, and Christianity, for example, has all the power in it that eventually overthrew slavery. But in that immediate moment, he was giving them what they could do. And what they could do was, with all your heart, do it for God. And the beautiful thing about approaching life in that way is that probably will change your circumstances. And what's happening for my son Sam is he's already getting promoted. Mm-hmm. In this restaurant he's working in, he's not busting tables anymore. And they saw in him, oh, wow, this is a young man with a lot of potential. We're moving him up the chain here in the uh-huh. restaurant, you know? And so the beauty of that posture is I bet that relationship will change. You start loving anyway, mm-hmm. right? I bet your circumstances will change to some degree in some way. If only your internal joy, you know, right. when, when you treat life like that. Yeah. I think something you said there is. What I'm trying to say is no matter the circumstances, the future, no matter what the chaos, seizing the day means, I can bring the kingdom of God over my internal world and experience meaning, peace, some level of joy and hope regardless of external circumstances. Yep. Yep. And in my free time, I can chase my dreams, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to wait for circumstances to change. I mean, people ask me how I became an author. I literally fell into it. I was working full-time, a nine-to-five job. I was also going to grad school nights and weekends, okay? I have three young boys in the house. So my life is very, very full. And Brent and I were sitting in a coffee shop one day, and we had been giving these lectures on Sunday nights here at Glen Airy on the Sacred Romance. And it was just a Bible study. We were just giving talks on what we believe the Christian life to be about, and people were really responding to it. Brent said to me, I think we ought to write a book. I think a lot of people would love to hear this. And I looked at him and said, you're mad. When? When we possibly do that? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, I can't do it. No, sorry, I'm not available. I walk out of the coffee shop. I walk over to my 68 Jeep Wagoneer, and I'm putting the key in. This is back in the day when you had a key. And Jesus said to me, that was a really bad decision. I'm like, what? He's like, that was a really bad decision, what you just said to Brent. I'm like, what? And then that's it. He didn't say anything more. Walked back into the coffee shop, sat down. Brent's still sitting at the table there. I said, okay, deal. Let's go for the book. I mean, I wrote it in the margins of my life, Uh right? Three young boys, a wife, a mortgage, a full-time job, and grad school. And I squeezed it in, an hour here, an hour there. Like, you don't wait for your circumstances to change, right, to walk with God. You just don't. Yes. Yeah. And back to the opposition, John. I mean, just because I took a little rabbit trail there, if we're unaware of how much our life and what we have to bring If we're unaware of how that's opposed, we just lose and get so many things stolen and just so much of our life is just never realized. It's just trashed somewhere. On the most practical level, Craig, I cannot tell you how many times in the last year 
God has had something for me to do. Hmm. Meet with a person, take Stacy on a trip, get together with friends that in the moment I didn't want to do it. it just that ennui, that sense of, oh, really? Oh, I'm tired. That's the enemy. Mm-hmm. That in itself, that kind of disheartening and I don't have passion to pursue this anymore and that kind of thing. You have to fight that stuff. And every single time I did, the fruit was beautiful. Every single time. Yeah. Whether it was just dinner with friends or a phone call to my sons or some big you know, trip that we were doing as Ransomed Heart every single time. If you'll push through that disheartening, if you'll battle it, break it off, pray against it, right? There's great things on the Mm. other side of that. Don't Mm. give way to that stuff. Mm. Friends, I hope that this has been helpful to you as you interpret the longings and the dreams and the desires of your heart and you interpret the confusion and the chaos and the disappointment Mm. in your circumstances Really hope that this has been helpful to you. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John Eldridge and Craig McConnell. And we have been in a series on interpretation, interpreting your life. And in these conversations, we've been talking about interpreting jobs, vocations, calling, dreams, and just trying to bring some categories like mythic versus specific, job versus calling, training, the change of desires, choices that you make in the midst of disappointing circumstances, live for God anyway, and then the huge, huge, huge one of opposition, like it will be opposed, you must deal with that, bringing the resources of Christ in prayer against the opposition so you can break through to the very things that God has for you. 